I want to invite you to take your Bibles, please, and turn with me to the passage of Scripture that uh, Pastor uh, Sheldon has read for us, Matthew chapter 2. We're going to camp out in this passage as we seek to uh, study the Word of God and get a glimpse uh, at what He has for all of us. It's very interesting that uh, Christmas is something we look forward to. Uh, we plan for it. We work toward it. We, we get everything going for it. And it comes and it goes. <laughs> it, it, it happens and then all of a sudden it's over. And uh, sometimes we miss uh, the marvelous message of this wonderful time of the year. So uh, please keep your Bibles open to this passage and let's ask the Holy Spirit to open our minds and our hearts to God's truth today. Uh, Lord, what a joy it is to be together as families. Thank you for every person here, for those online watching, uh, for the little people that are here. We praise you for them, for our students and young adults, Lord, and every person that's part of the body here at East Bay, we give you thanks. Uh, you've been so good to us. This is the, the last time we'll be meeting together in uh, 2022, and we have a whole brand new uh, year before us, a year... Uh, that's unchartered, and it's a year that uh, can be a tremendous blessing to all of us as we walk in harmony and fellowship with you and with each other. And uh, so, Lord, as we look at your word today, I pray that you would encourage our hearts and help us to understand that you are indeed the light of the world, you are the Savior, you are the Deliverer, you're our King, you are our Leader, you're our Master, you're our Lord and our Friend. And we thank you for the privilege of being able to uh, share a little bit this morning uh, from your word that we trust will be encouraging to all of us. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Uh, few experiences in life are as tragic or as frustrating as missing an important event when there was really no need to do so. Uh, maybe you've put an event on your calendar and you've looked forward to it. And then, because of all of the, your, your, the things that kind of preoccupy you, you get your minds going in different ways, in different directions, and you forget about it. You, it, just, it just slips by. And after it takes place, you say, oh man, wish I hadn't missed that event. And, and oftentimes this happens because we just get preoccupied with ourselves and our own little world, and we forget about the big picture. Uh, at no other time does this happen more often than at Christmas. Uh, we look forward to Christmas. We look forward to the event. In fact, we start celebrating Christmas as early as October today. Uh, it's very interesting that the stores are all getting everything ready for Christmas in October and November. We're working toward this wonderful event uh, that is going to happen. And we see it simply as an event. And for many of us, the hurry and the scurry and the bustle and the hustle of Christmas so consumes us that the real reason for the season passes us by. And we forget about the significance of this moment in time when God himself made himself known to us in the person of the baby Jesus. And that little baby that was laid in a a feeding trough of hay, that little baby came uh, not, not by accident. <laughs> he did not come because 
Uh, it was some kind of an afterthought from God. To the contrary, he came at just the right time to reveal to humanity who God is and what God is all about and how much God cares for this world in which we live. And yet many of us, many in our world, especially the masses, the masses of people, the average person today, they miss the message of Christmas. Now that not only happened, happens today, it happened on that very first Christmas. There were several that missed Christmas, that moment in time when the Lord Jesus came. Indeed, how ironic that the Christ child, that the one that is to occupy center stage in our lives at this time, can get so pushed off that we miss, we just miss the significance of this moment. It happened on that first Christmas to the innkeeper. Those scriptures does not say anything directly to us about him. Implicitly, it is apparent that he misses Christmas because he's so preoccupied with making a living and making sure that his inn is full. I mean, he's so close to Christmas. He is so close to Christmas. Think about this. The decree of Caesar Augustus brings Mary and Joseph to his town. Mary and Joseph come to his inn. They register at his desk. Christmas is right under his nose. And yet, he misses the moment. Because after all, there's, there's you know, beds to make and things that need to be done around the, the, the inn. There's linens to wash and beds to make and meals to cook. Letters to write, books to balance. There are so many other things that occupy his mind that the significance of having Mary and Joseph at his doorstep passes him by. Another individual who misses Christmas is King Herod. And we read about King Herod here in the passage that uh, Pastor uh, uh, Sheldon read for us here in Matthew chapter 2 and I want you to follow along here in Matthew chapter 2 because down through all the history of the Herods uh, they were all very clever they were all very ambitious unscrupulous and jealous and the Herod that is mentioned here in Matthew chapter one, 2 and verse 1 is known as Herod the Great and there is nothing likable about this guy He's a sly old fox. He's an ancient Scrooge, if you please. There's nothing likable about him. He's guilty of murdering many innocent people, including at least one wife and three of his sons. In the early days of the Christian church, recorded in the book of Acts, his grandson, Herod Agrippa I, followed his pattern of violence. Remember, he greatly afflicted and persecuted the church. He had Peter put in prison because he considered him a threat, and he killed James. So the Herod dynasty is known for being unscrupulous, very violent, uh, and he could tolerate no uh, competitors. And as we carefully consider the text here, we discover that there are at least three reasons why King Herod misses Christmas. You see, Christmas originates in the mind of God. 
Now stop and think about this. Christmas is the greatest story that's ever been told. You never get tired of it. We hear it over and over and over again, and yet it is so special and it's so real. It's something that only God could have conceived of. And He makes known to us His great love for the world. I'm reminded of that uh, family cartoon, <clears throat> family circus cartoon, where the uh, family is shopping and they see a great big sign in one of the storefront windows surrounded by Santa Claus, snowmen, and Christmas trees. And underneath is a caption, let's make this Christmas the best one ever. And as they're looking at this, one of the little kids pops up and says, well, how can you ever top the first Christmas? Well, there's no way we can ever top the first Christmas because that was the moment when God made himself known to us. And it's a moment in time we must never, never forget and we must never, ever take for granted. But many miss it. They miss it because they're preoccupied with themselves. They're, they miss it because they have their mind on other things. And they miss it simply because, in many cases, they refuse simply not to believe. Many miss this vibrant, life-changing message. It happened nearly two millenniums ago to the innkeeper and to the king at that time. And there are many that miss Christmas today for the very same reasons. Now, Herod misses Christmas, first of all, because he rejects the Word of God. He rejects the Word of God. You see this in chapter 2, verses uh, 4 and 6. Notice, it says, When he had called them together, all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where Christ was to be born, in Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. It's very interesting that in the preceding verse, in verse 3, when Herod hears that the wise men are coming to Jerusalem and they're seeking for another king, the text says he was disturbed. Now, that's kind of a tame translation. It really means he was deeply troubled to the point of agitation, Actually, he was just ticked off. That's what the word really means. He is, he, is, he is mad. How can this be? I'm the king. You're coming into my kingdom, and you're searching for another king, and this guy is just fit to be tied. He's agitated. He's disturbed. And what disturbs him is that they're looking for another king. A king that has been born the king of the Jews. Remember, Herod is an appointed king. But these wise men, they have the audacity to come into his kingdom and ask him, where is the one who is born king? And this really upsets him in ways that are hard for us to even describe or imagine. You see, Herod occupies a place where that rightly belongs to Christ. He's threatened, he's terrified, and he's had a long history of flaunting himself against God, of not taking God into account. He has lived his life on his terms. He does not want anything to do with God, and the thought that another king would be born in his kingdom is just deeply, deeply 
troubling to him. And you'll notice that not only was he disturbed and ticked off, but the whole city of Jerusalem and all Jerusalem with him. It's amazing. The whole city joined in this, this feeling of uh, being terrified and disturbed over what is taking place. And therefore, in verse 4, he gathers the knowledgeable men of the kingdom together, the chief priests and the scribes, notice, and he inquires of them. Notice, he called together all the chief priests and teachers of the Lord. He asked them. He inquired of them. Uh, really, that word means he demanded of them. And the tense of that particular word means he kept on demanding again and again. Who are, who are, who are, what, what, where is this found? What, what's going on? He, he, he asked his, his counselors, his, his scribes, the people, the teachers of the law, Tell me, where, where is this written? He demands of them where this Christ is to be born. And so the scribes and the leaders of the law, they go into research mode. And they begin to study the records and study the documents. And all of a sudden, they come across the scroll of Micah the prophet. And you'll notice in verse 5, they reply to king, in Bethlehem and Judea they replied, for this is what the prophet has written, but you Bethlehem and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. So they read to King Herod from the scroll of Micah that yes, there is prophesied in the scriptures that a king is going to be born, a king that's going to transform history. And instead of settling Herod down, this just agitates him all the more. I mean, if you thought he was ticked off to begin with, now that it's been confirmed that yes, there is a king that's going to be born, uh, as he reads from the prophet Micah, he understands that this is actually a fulfillment of that prophecy and he becomes even more agitated and enraged the prophecy supports the magi it's interesting D.L. Moody the famed evangelist once said he says it's not the parts of the Bible I don't understand it's the parts of the Bible that I do understand and Herod understands what has just been read to him by these researchers. But he doesn't accept it. He rejects the word of God and he continues to fume. And the folly of Herod is that he understands the significance of the scriptures. They've been read to him. But in his arrogance and self-centeredness, he dismisses it. He rejects them. Micah's prophecy concerning the coming of the Messiah could have changed Herod's life, but he rejects the Word of God. And it isn't long before he takes matters into his own hands. You see, whenever we reject God's Word, we end up doing things that we know we shouldn't do. And yet we do them because we somehow want to vindicate ourselves. And so what does he do? Look at verse 16. 
It says when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. He takes matters into his own heads. This king's going to be born. I'm going to make sure no boy babies are kept alive. And so he goes out and he gives orders that all the boy babies be killed. History tells us that about 20 babies are killed because of Herod's rejection of the word of God. He knows that God has spoken, yet he rejects it. Christmas could have been a turning point in his life. But he misses it because he refuses to believe God's word and act upon it. He has no place in his heart for Christ. And people miss Christmas today for the very same reason. They know what God's word says. They've heard the story over and over and over again. They've heard the story about the cradle. They even have heard the story about the cross and the resurrection but they hold it at arm's length. They refuse to believe. They're content to know about Christ without ever personally knowing Him. <clears throat> Instead of trusting Christ, they put their confidence in the flesh and they try to live life on their terms. And they end up in serious issues. Intellectually, they know all about Bethlehem, even Calvary, but they never find Christ because they reject the plan of salvation as found in God's Word. And they justify themselves just like Herod did. I'm the king. Nobody's going to take over my throne. I'm going to see to it that all those boy babies are killed. No one is going to take over from me. And instead of bowing to the babe of Bethlehem, as do the wise men, many, the masses today, vainly try to be good enough. Oh, they'll go to Christmas Eve services. They'll go to a Christmas Day service. They think they are doing a lot of good deeds. They try to be kind. They try to do good works but they never are ever satisfied that they have done enough because they have rejected the gift too wonderful for words, the gift of the Lord Jesus. They try to be good enough. Well, friends, our do-goodisms are not good enough. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And tomorrow may be too late. It's very interesting. <clears throat> that Herod is so close but he lets Christmas pass him by because he rejects the word of God number two Herod misses Christmas because he responds to Christ by proxy you see this in verse 8 actually if you take up and look at verse 7 then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared 
verse 8, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search of the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. You see how manipulative this guy is? When he discovers that the Magi's search is no fluke and that indeed the prophets have foretold that a little baby would be born, he becomes even more irrational and alarmed. In verse 7, he conducts a secret meeting with the wise men trying to find out from when, just exactly when, the star first appeared to them. And subsequently, he sends them off to Jerusalem or to Bethlehem. Not because he wanted to worship the baby Jesus. He wanted to destroy him. And this tells us that the words of the prophet Micah had penetrated his heart. He knows the significance of Christ's birth. He shouldn't have missed it, but he does because of greed and selfishness. And this is what happens to many today. They miss friendship. They miss beauty and love and plain good old times because they pursue selfish interests and selfish ambitions. Christmas is not about Christ. It's all about them. It's all about me. They forget the words of the Lord Jesus. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 8 and verse 36, For what does it profit a man if he gain the whole world and forfeit his own soul? There's something else that's very tragic here in this story about Herod's reaction. Verse 8. Notice he sends the Magi to Bethlehem in his place. As if, as if in his greed and arrogance, he reasons this way. Okay, guys, you, 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 uh, you've heard the prophecy. Uh, you've seen the story. You've, the star. You've made a long trip here uh, to, uh, to meet with me. And go on, go on and continue your search. Just go on, continue your search, and let me know how you come out. Now, somebody's put it this way. Herod did not go personally. He went by proxy. This happens again and again in our world today. People miss the message of Christmas because they don't take Christ personally. Oh, they acknowledge his birth. But they want someone else to find Christ for them. They cling to the illusion that by just associating with good people, they can get to heaven on the coattails of their parents or maybe on the coattails of their Christian spouse. Some have the mistaken idea that you can receive Christ kind of through osmosis, that just be, because you were born into a Christian family, that makes you a Christian because of your parents' faith or because of the faith of your spouse. that somehow will just automatically land into glory. Let me say to you this morning, there are some things in life that no one else can do for you. You cannot be born, go to school, marry, or work by proxy. 
You can't have someone else eat for you, sleep for you, or even die for you. Christ can only be found when we respond personally to his finished work at Calvary for our sins. It's not just enough at Christmas to say that Jesus is a Savior, that Jesus is the Savior. Christmas can only be fully understood and realized when we can affirm that He is our Savior, our Lord, our Master. We have embraced Him. We have, by faith, received Him into our lives. But Herod is way too greedy, too self-centered, too manipulative to respond to Christ personally. And therefore, he responds to Christ by proxy. And friends, this was the only opportunity that he had. He never had another opportunity to respond to Christ. My friends, don't put off today the most important decision you can ever make, and that is to embrace personally the baby that the Magi were searching for. And that star which led them to that little baby, do not miss the moment. Personally receive the Lord of glory into your heart today. And then the third reason why he misses Christmas, Herod does, he refuses to surrender his throne. You see this in verses 19 and 20. Herod bristles when he hears that another king is born. Nobody's going to take away my throne. No one's going to usurp my place of authority. And he's going to see personally that no one does. He he eliminates all potentials. He's committed to hanging on to his reign of terror at all costs. In history, when they chronicle the reign of Herod, point out that Herod executes people at will, including his own family. His son, several of his wives are executed only two days before his own death. Herod, you see, has the distorted idea that he controls his own destiny, that he is the master of his own fate. If he can just hang on to his power, if he can just keep on hanging in there and do away with all potential threats, he's not going to surrender to anyone. But notice verse 19. Something happens to Herod that he does not count on. Verse 19 after Herod died, put a circle around the word died. Herod had lived his life as if he was immortal. I can control my destiny. I can do whatever I want to. I can destroy all threats to my throne. I am in charge. I am king. I'm going to do things my way. Who has the final say? God does. Herod had not once thought 
about his death. He had not once had thought about eternity. His reign of terror comes to an end, whether he wants it to or not. Friends, we cannot live on our own terms indefinitely. And how much like Herod are people in today's world who refuse the rule of Christ? They miss the rule of Christ because they're intent on hanging on to living on their own terms. We want to do it our way. We have no room in our hearts for the living God. We want to hang on to all the the idols and the fetishes of life that distract us from understanding the message of Christmas. We will not surrender our lives to Christ. The masses of people today that are celebrating Christmas, many of them aren't giving a second thought to eternity. They're living as though they're going to live forever. Herod doesn't take into account that one day he was going to die. Somebody has put it this way. As death finds us, so eternity will keep us. Christ comes to the world to give life. The Bible says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But Herod misses it, and he dies without Christ. He misses it because he refuses to surrender to the rightful king, the throne of his life. Herod had everything spelled out to him. I mean, Christmas was right there for him to grab onto. And yet, he was preoccupied with himself and controlling others and living life on his terms. And he missed that moment that could have changed his life forever. I am told that there was an artist who was charged with painting a portrait of Frederick the Great. Actually, this painting hangs in a German art gallery. And this painter had pictured all the generals and all the, the supporting cast that supported Frederick the Great in great detail. But he had left only a charcoal outline of Frederick the Great himself. He spent all of his time working on all the details of this massive portrait, but he never got around to painting King Frederick. And he died. The painting was never finished. And it hangs there as a reminder that the most important central figure of that portrait is never revealed. All the other generals and all the other supporting cast, you see them, 
but you don't see the Frederick the Great. And this is what happens at Christmas. We get so wrapped up in all the things of Christmas that we miss that moment. And what a picture this is of modern man, preoccupied by generals of lesser significance. Herod never got around to enthroning Jesus as king. My friends, Christmas will only be complete when we complete the picture and we enthrone Jesus as our Lord and our Master. How can we live this out at Christmas time? Three things and then I'm finished. Let's renew our commitment to scriptures. The Bible says, <clears throat> Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And again, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Friends, God has given us everything we will ever need to know in this book. Let's recommit ourselves. Christmas Day 2022 to be a student of the Word of God. Number two, let us recommit our lives personally to Christ. If you haven't made a commitment to Christ, now is your opportunity. Don't let others, don't send others to find Christ for you. You embrace Christ personally today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And then lastly, let us resolve to make Jesus the Lord of Lord, Lord of Lords and the King of Kings in our lives. Our heart, friends, has only one place for a king. And king can either be ourselves or it can be others or it can be King Jesus. And this morning, I would suggest and encourage you to enthrone him as king of your life today. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you and we praise you for this opportunity to be together this morning. To pray and to sing and to celebrate this greatest of all gifts, the gift of the Lord Jesus. We're so thankful that you came. We're so thankful that you came as a, as a little baby. You didn't come on a spirited stallion. You didn't come on a war horse. You came to give us peace. The baby speaks of peace and love and joy. That little baby grew up and went to the cross laid down his life for us was gloriously resurrected on the third day and today he's alive and he wants to live in all of our hearts and so I pray that in these moments we would just take the time to surrender our hearts anew and afresh to King Jesus
Thank you for loving us so much. May we never, ever miss this glorious good news of spiritual transformation that happens when we invite the baby, the living God, into our lives. He changes us forever. We are eternally grateful. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.